Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hankwist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you will become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. show, Sean and I are going through the seven basic tax saving strategies you need to know as a health and fitness entrepreneur, why it's important to be proactive in your tax strategy and not waiting until the last minute, otherwise known as hell week, to filter through receipts and expenses to try to come up with tax savings for your business. There is a clear difference between tax write-offs and tax strategy. In this episode, we will have a lot of great takeaways so that you don't ever leave the IRS a tip. This is the Fit CFO Show. So I'm here with Sean and we were just talking about how the wind, so we live in Nebraska and this wind, I mean, we've had wildfires, which I don't think we've really ever had to deal with in Nebraska before. Oof, you I remember? Know. I don't know. I don't ever remember. So I always remember March, April being windy. Yes. But, but this has been excessive. Two or three weeks. It's literally oh. been excessive. And we've sat through, like we sat through baseball outside all weekend. It was the situation where we kind of looked at each other and we're like, I feel like they should be calling this. <laughs> it was rough. At what point, like when the ball is just like slicing in the outfield. <laughs> right. Kids hats are flying off like constantly. I mean, honestly, there was one point I'm like, this is just funny. Like, <laughs> I mean, it literally just... looked like they were pitching curveballs because <laughs> oh, pitcher's ball was moving so much before it hit oh, home plate. I felt so bad for those kids. I was you know, freezing and blowing away, just sitting there watching them. And there are poor kids are out there playing, but they were true. Of course. Absolutely loved it though. So yeah, we're, we're elbow deep into baseball season right now, but you know, I always miss this time of year when, (laughs) when it's over. So, all right, well, let's get down to business. Let's get down to talking about some tax saving strategies. I'm excited. Um, I know Sean has, put a lot of work in today's episode and he's eager to get into this. So let's get to it. We are through what we used to call hell week. And we called it hell week because it was one of those things where as early entrepreneurs, we would not be proactive when it came to our our strategy, you know, for taxes, we would gather receipts, we would gather expenses, mileage, gas, whatever we could come up with. Maybe I had coffee with this person. Maybe this time that I went to a restaurant counted as this or that, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure we've all done it, right? Um, But we uh, essentially would call it hell week because we were trying to come up with as many tax write-offs as possible to then turn over to our CPA to file our taxes by now April 18th used to be April 15th. And so we thought it'd be a really good idea now that we are through hell week to look at some things for the upcoming years, how we can be a little more proactive. What are some tax saving strategies that we can touch on to give to you guys to look at um, in the future so that we aren't left with this sort of, I guess, hell week at the end of each year? Yeah, no, I think that's that's really cool. And hell week does exist. Like there's ultimately you got to put things together and but you can make it a lot more manageable. Um, a lot of times that's coming off of just like your actual write-offs. And where we want to get today is more or less proactive planning throughout the year and years to come 
through tax strategies. And there's quite a bit of difference between the two. And we've chatted a couple of times on that, the difference between write-offs and tax strategies. But the yeah, strategy- you just, we actually have a reel coming out this week that I had Sean uh, do, or the Sean did, that is going to touch on the difference between um, tax write-offs and tax strategy. And there's a clear difference between the two. But today, I think we wanted to dive into some strategies that I think most people need to be using if they're not using and should know about uh, their existence. And they're pretty easy to implement. You just, I mean, obviously, we don't want to have this as tax advice on this. We want it to be more education. And you're going to want to seek out a professional before you try to implement any of these strategies. But there could be extremely beneficial for tax dollar savings throughout the year and years to come. Yeah. And it's important to put that disclaimer on there because not everybody's situation is one the same, right? Everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. And so seeking out a professional that understands your specific situation is going to be important in order to be able to implement any of these. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's get to it. Like um, let's talk about the first one and one that's, it's pretty simple and it's not um, applicable to everybody that's out there because you have some other qualifying factors, but one that is super cool and super easy to implement would be an HSA account. So a health savings account, oftentimes you will see this associated with your health insurance policy that you may select or that your employer may offer you. Um, But a lot of times as self-employed individuals at this point, we're searching around for health insurance, health savings strategies and things like that. And so this is one of the best uh, tax saving strategies, especially for self-employed individuals. And you need to have, um, so the disclaimer there is you have to have a health insurance policy that allows you to have an HSA. Yeah. One thing that I love as the HSA, it is actually what I want to call it is like triple tax free. So you get a tax deduction for putting the money in there. Your money grows tax deferred while it's in your HSA. And then when you take the money out of your HSA, it is tax free. There is nothing else out there that's like that, that you get a tax deduction going in there, gross tax deferred, and you can take it out tax tax free. Like it's unbelievable. It it simply doesn't exist. Now, granted, the caveat to that is that you do need to use it for health expenses. Yeah. So you can use it for like dentist, eye doctor, glasses, any kind of regular checkups or prescriptions. So there's a lot of useful, um, I guess, yeah, there's a lot of uh, ways that you can use those dollars. Sometimes, depending on the health insurance carrier that you select, they can be a little bit, um, what's the word, picky on like the information that you're providing. Like sometimes you have to show receipts and prove that you made that actual purchase for that specific thing. Um, but ultimately, you are saving a ton of money by going this route. So it's definitely worth your time to do it. Yeah, the HSA is beneficial. The only thing is it's limited on how much you can put in there. Otherwise, everybody would be slamming a lot of money in there. But you only need to put approximately 3600 and if you're single and approximately 7200 if you're married, filed jointly. So, But at the end of the day, 7200 is a huge tax um, deduction and um, very beneficial to look at. So HSA is uh, awesome as it is triple tax free and everybody should be using it if your medical insurance will allow you to use it. So I want to talk a little bit about this because there's about four questions or actually three questions that I specifically wanted to touch on for each one of these strategies. And, um, and I guess this one doesn't really apply, but 
if you are looking, cause we get asked a lot about health insurance. And so I'm just going to kind of give a couple of general rules about, um, health insurance. Since we're kind of talking about tax saving strategies, number one, if you are leaving an employer and you're looking to go out on your own, um, you need to, uh, do it within a certain amount of time. If you're going to go opt in for another coverage, because you have 30 days for what they call a qualifying event. So what that means is if you are outside of the actual enrollment period for certain, uh, policies like the the healthcare.gov, for example, then you need to get that coverage obtained within 30 days of a qualifying event. It's going to be something big, like you've left a job, you've gotten a divorce, you've had a child, things like that. So you want to make sure that you're looking at those things within 30 days of, of that qualifying event. And so not waiting until the last minute to do that, because those things can sometimes take time. All right. Now let's move on to our next tax saving strategy. And we look at entity selection um, quite a bit for our clients. And it's something that is a kind of low-hanging fruit that a lot of our entrepreneurs can take advantage of and get a lot of tax savings. When I talk about entity selection, as most of our clients come to us, uh, they've formed LLCs, or we see that um, LLCs are mainly used in the small business because they're efficient, they're simple, they're low cost to get started. So usually most small businesses end up with LLCs. But the beautiful part of the LLC, as your as your company grows, you have the ability to elect to become an S-Corp. And once you become an S-Corp, you become an employee of your business. And the idea behind of becoming an employee of your business, you now receive a salary that's reasonable uh, for compensation, but anything over and beyond your salary, the remaining profits in the business is not subject to the 15.3% FICA tax. So you can see that could be a, a huge amount of savings if you have like $100,000 in profit and you pay yourself, say, $50,000 salary, you only have $50,000 that's subject to the FICA tax. The other $50,000 is not subject to that. It's only subject to federal taxes. So that's a massive amount of savings. What is the math of $50,000 times 15.3%? What is the math on that? I don't know. I don't have a calculator. So, so I want to back up just a little bit while you're figuring that out. But the reason why you would want an LLC in the first place, because I think a lot of people are thinking, well, until I get to X amount, why would I not just elect to be a sole proprietor? And, and the reason is, is separating yourself from your business. Um, you want to create clear separation from you and your business because that's going to give you a line of protection. So if you were to get into a lawsuit situation, your home equity, your savings, your personal, um, you know, you as an individual is going to be protected from your business. So that's why initially you want to get an LLC. But like Sean was saying, the beauty about an LLC is as you grow, it can grow with you. Yep. And the calculation came in as a little over $700 (laughs) tax savings. Perfect. And explain for those of you that have been maybe a W-2 employee for a very long time, or maybe you haven't at all, what is FICA tax, Sean? So FICA tax... Um, is Social Security and Medicare tax. And the Social Security tax is calculated all, all the way up to like 141000 So almost 15% of that um, is Social Security tax. It's all about 3.8% or 3.9% is Social Security tax of that 15.3. And you would have to pay all the way up to your business makes 141000 I believe. Anything beyond that is just your Medicare tax. I think that's like 3.8. 
percent or 3.9 percent forget i think it's 3.9 percent anything beyond that you still have that medicare but um that huge saving comes in between say you pay yourself that fifty thousand dollar salary and that hundred forty one thousand, you save all 15.3 percent on fica and have you seen situations where maybe people tried to avoid ever having to pay that and then later on in life it has come out to backfire on them there's a couple of things when you go down that road like when the lower your salary is your later future social security is calculated based on what your salary was over the years. So you could come into a situation if you didn't do a good job saving for retirement, you reach social security age, and now your benefit amount is affected by not paying very much in over the years, and you don't have a lot of social security income. So that's kind of a downside by trying to avoid all the FICA all the time. Um, What else there is? Yeah, you might be, you might hear grandparents or parent or, you know, your grandparents or your parents at this point saying, you know, my social security isn't very much, or I'm on a fixed income. And that's essentially what they're meaning by that is maybe they didn't pay in a lot all for a number of years. And now they're not receiving a lot in return. Yeah. I mean, you might get in a situation you might in today's world, you might get 11, 12, maybe $1,400 a month if you didn't pay in much. And then far as if you maxed it out, you might get 3,000 to 3,200 a month. So you can see that's a big difference come retirement if you paid it or not. So ultimately the social security is the FICA part of that is going in to fund your social security payments for the future when you're at retirement age. So we can avoid it now. And if we avoid it now, we better put that money to good work and yep. provide, you know, a financial future. For Other us means of retirement. Yep. That's Absolutely. the idea. But I do want to caution you on this. And, and before you go in and just say, yes, I'm going to do an S corp and do it on your own. I would seek out some professional help on this because there is tax code changes. And right now, um, you do need to do a calculation because there are certain deductions um, that you lose out on if you're an S corp. So sometimes it's not always a slam dunk. It doesn't always make sense yeah. to go to an S corp. So do the analysis. A lot of times we do see if you keep your salary low enough, there's a benefit, but do the calculation and make sure it's the extra, um, the headaches, like, cause you have to do payroll and you have to right. do some annual filing and you know, now you have a separate tax return. So there's some extra things that come along there's with extra the steps that go along with the escort. You want to yep. make sure there's enough savings to benefit you. Yeah. And a lot of times there is, but you want to make sure that you're working with a professional because like you said, a lot of these codes are changing. Um, and I just even remember when, you know, the whole COVID thing was happening, the PPP, like it was a shit storm and it was changing constantly. And I remember you helping out so many of our Fit CFO clients with the PPP and making sure that they were getting what they needed and making sure they didn't have to pay it back and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these things are important to, you know, be working with somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. The third one, the Augusta rule. Oh, I wanted to ask real quick before we move on to that Augusta rule, let's talk about timing here. When is somebody going to know just as a general kind of, maybe somebody's thinking, maybe I need to go from an LLC to an S corp um, for, you know, tax saving strategy. When do I know, or when is that I should start thinking about that strategy as, as something that I should be doing? So on the tax filing form, they recommend or say to be accepted for like 2022, you needed to have it in by March 15th. Okay. Right. But 
every situation I've been around the last four years of people who locked in and having um, some language on the form of the reason of the late filing, they have all been accepted. So even some clients that we had tax returns filed for in, in March and April um, filed for S Corp at that time for 2021 and have the language and more than likely they'll get accepted and it'll be just fine. So you do need to, if you miss that deadline, you need to implement some language on the form so the IRS knows the reason behind the late filing. And maybe this changes in the future, but currently I've never seen any of them turned down and not accepted. And when would a business, I guess, would the word qualify be right for going S Corp versus LLC? Yeah, that's definitely a loaded question and depends on, sometimes it even depends on what state you live in. Right. So on the federal side, I would say once you start getting uh, 50,000 or above in profits, um, there should be hopefully enough tax savings um, to be able to move down that S Corp route. Got it. I think that's about all I can suck dry from that one. <laughs> Let's get out of the Augusta rule. Let's, Let's go. go to the Augusta rule. This one, I think you need to tell the history behind this because. I uh, did not know this until I heard your little story and I found that really quite interesting. Yeah. So back in the day, can tell you when it was implemented off the top of my head. The Augusta but, rule in case y'all didn't um, know, catch that. Yeah. So the Masters Golf Tournament held in Augusta, Georgia um, has a lot of spectators, a lot of fans go down there to watch the Masters. And what had happened is the homeowners down there wanted to rent out their homes to these fans coming down there for the week. And what was happening is the, the homeowners, like we're not business owners. Like we, we don't want to have a business. We, we just want to be able to rent our homes out. Uh, and over a course of time, they've actually were able to change the tax code with this. And now um, since the Augusta rule came into play, any homeowner across the U S now can rent out their home for up to 14 days out of the year, tax-free personally which is pretty cool because we all own businesses. Thanks to the Masters Golf Tournament. (laughs) (laughs) So now our business can rent out our home up to 14 days and then pay yourself personally. And now you don't personally have to pay taxes on that money. So like we are literally able to suck out money out of the business, pay ourselves and then at the in return, we're able to use what we paid ourselves as a business deduction for taxes. But you pretty awesome. Need- so you literally, so what did you call the first one? A triple threat or a triple? <laughs> no, not, not threat. <laughs> triple threat. Yes, for sure. Triple tax free. I kind of tell it. So cool. This is kind of a double. Yeah, you could look at it that way. You get to shift money, shift money out of your business. Let's just go through an example. Like um, if you figure out that the average rent rates in your area is say $1,000 a day for a venue, um, you could do it 14 days to a year. That'd be $14,000 that you can, you know, shift out of your business account to your personal, literally $14,000 and not pay taxes on that. And then use the $14,000 as a tax deduction. And if you were in a 30% tax bracket, let's just say a marginal tax bracket there, uh, or effective tax bracket of like 30%, that would be approximately $4,200 in tax savings. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. And, and he's just using example numbers here. You may want to, you know, 
call like a venue or something just to get kind of average pricing that kind of thing, yeah. just to make sure you're not like just making up numbers here. Right. Um, just to make sure it makes sense. So if it's like more of like going to be in your home, maybe Airbnbs, if it's going to be like a, you're, having, you're hosting a mastermind or bringing in all your contractors and employees for a, a, an event, then you could call like a hotel venue and you need to call two of them and you need to see what their average uh, rental rates are and get a quote and you need to keep track of that quote, keep it on file in case you were ever audited. Yeah. Um, and you can even just, you can even make yourself like a little invoice or whatever you'd want to call it to your business. I do recommend having a contract between you and your business so you can verify the amount and then follow that up with the documentation of the venue cost. And then obviously keep track of notes of the meeting and, and who was there. But yes, you definitely want to have a contract with yourself and then just reuse the same one. Just leave a Over paper. Time. Make sure you're leaving a paper trail. Overtime checked um, rates. And then but a lot of people, what they do is they forget to actually transfer the money. So you actually oh. need <laughs> yeah. that amount yeah. for your business is personal and then it looks... it's. It's legit. That's right there. Yeah. So, but I'd say, you know, $4,000 in tax savings would be worth, <laughs> listen would, be, would listen. be worth a little paperwork. I think we'll listen to this uh, podcast taking 4,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, if, if that's all you save from this podcast, then we we're, I don't know. That's, that's to me, like out of all of this that we've already talked about, that's pretty minimal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, definitely work uh, worth your uh, professional on this. Yep. And seek out advice because you may have to issue yourself 1099s out of the business. You may have to file that on your personal income tax and then get it all coded correctly so it is tax-free. So there is some legwork behind. Um, this is the strategy. I think it's pretty well, pretty easy to implement, but you need to communicate this with your accounting team or finance team so that it's get done correct, so it gets done correctly. Absolutely. Well, this next one. It's probably my personal favorite because I'm a mom of three kids. So let's get into this hiring your kids as a tax strategy. Well, first of all, we know how expensive kids are. <laughs> uh, we we know how much things cost. And Go back to the HSA thing. <laughs> yes. Um, but what else is cool is paying your kids is going to be a huge tax benefit, but also it can teach them some budgeting and and. and and cool financial concepts of getting paid and be able to, being able to manage their money at a young age because we're going to pay for the ship for them anyways. Not let why not let them pay for it and manage their money? Well, and not only that, but I think it. I mean, why can't your kid clean your office for you? Why can't your kid help you with little odds and ends? And um, you know, I don't know what else. Or I guess you have a physical location, and and our um, yeah. children will go over there and clean the office and you know do little odds and ends and. I look at it as any, no matter a five-year-old, seven-year-old could run your video camera for photo shoots, for YouTube videos. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hudson does that for me all the time. It'd be limitless of what they could do there. You know, the clerical duties, the little things in our business they could do. They don't. And Henley always seems to show up in my videos at some point. (laughs) So she could be a model for you in your videos. right? (laughs) And and then like you mentioned. Guest speaker. (laughs) our kids come clean my office and it's just so easy. And it's a great way to, as the, the strategy, the idea here is to shift money out of our, us as parents, a higher tax bracket because we make more money. We pay taxes, shifting it over to the kids that are in a 0% tax bracket. Now we've literally taken approximately up to $12,000 out of our business, paid our kids. They were able to pay 0% taxes where we might be paying 30, 40% on taxes. 
Now I'm assuming there's some caveats to this. Yeah, there are a few. Works best with LLCs and and sole proprietorships um, because when you pay them out of the business out of an LLC or sole uh, sole proprietorship, you don't even have to put them on payroll or withhold taxes or anything. If you are an S corp, you have to run them through payroll and pay FICA. Yeah, so, like with an LLC or a sole proprietor, you could literally just pay them um, like with a check or transfer, transfer yeah. money. Um, you know, super simple. Like you don't have to go through like the tax loop or anything like that. To yeah, you know, but if we're system. but we're if we're in a 40 percent tax bracket, it's still a whole lot better paying fifteen point three percent on the FICA. Yep. portion of it than our, our tax rates. Yeah. So if you're going through S Corp, yeah, you're going to pay FICA because I mean, that's just how it works. Right. Um, but it's going to be a lot better than like Sean said, paying it in the higher tax bracket and, and it's going to your kids too. Yeah, absolutely. And so what you can do if you have an S Corp uh, strategy would be to create a family management LLC and have your kids work for the family management company. And then what will happen is your family management company can bill your escort for the services provided. So the escort pays the, the family partnership uh, for the services provided. And then it's just a pass through. And then the family management company pays the kids. And then that way you can avoid FICA. It's a little bit more an advanced way of doing it, but it's possible. And what's even cooler, why not have the kids start investing at a young age? So if they wanted to fully fund like an IRA, you could actually pay them up to $18,000. Yep. So you could go up to $12,000 for the standard deduction and up to another $6,000 if they were fully wanted to fund, say, a retirement account at a really young age. And they'd have uh, decades and decades and decades of compounded interest uh, for their retirement funds. So you could now, ship up to $18,000 actually. On this hiring your kids, is there a minimum age requirement? Or does it have to like make sense? You know what I mean? It's definitely not a slam dunk of like, it has to be these ages. and Like they have to be 13 or, you know what I mean? A gray line that you can walk here. It's just kind of, yeah, that five to 17 years old is probably an ideal age for this. And then obviously we, we didn't mention this earlier, but you definitely want to keep documentation. You can't just freely give your kids money on the business. You would want to have right. some kind of reasonable expectation, a job description written out for them. Um, so you could spell out to the, if you were ever audited of here's how much you paid them and why, and then it'll be completely legal to be able to do this. Well, I've seen a lot of just another example. I've seen a lot of, um, coaches out there that have videos, cooking videos where they're cooking with their kids, workout videos where they're working out with their kids and they're catering to the busy working mom and trying to teach them education, you know, that, why can't you pay your kid for something like that for appearing in a video? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's totally feasible. And, and it's something as parents, we need to be doing anyways. And I think the number of the tax benefit, yes, but for them to learn money management skills at a very young age, that a lot of us didn't get to do. I mean, it'll be super powerful. hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. All righty. Let's move on to bonus depreciation. Bonus, let's say a big picture here on the bonus depreciation. And it is the gurus are everywhere on social talking about this. And there's some truth and there's some. Um, well, the, the gurus are going to talk about the sexy part. Yeah. Um, so big picture is you could deduct up to 100% of a vehicle um, cost in one tax calendar year. Um, 
Now, I do want to tell everybody that rule is set to expire January 1st, 2023. It may get extended, but this is the last year right now. Bonus depreciation is going to be in the mix. Um, unless Can you ex- first explain what the bonus depreciation means? Yeah, we're going to we're going to get down to that because bonus depreciation would be depreciating out like a vehicle. Mm-hmm. You go buy an asset for your company. And let's say that asset is worth $80,000 that you go buy it. So if it's over 6,000 pounds of gross motor vehicle weight, you can deduct up to 100% of that $80,000 on your tax return that year. So if you had $80,000 of taxable income, you fully depreciate your vehicle in that year, you could erase the $80,000 of taxable income. But whereas getting that earlier is that's up to 100% of your business vehicle and not... Not very many of us have a secondary vehicle. So like if you that's don't have one, only being used for your business 100% yeah. of the time. So not very many of us has, have like have two different vehicles. One's just for personal and one's just for business. If that's the case, you can probably get by with this. But if you don't have a personal vehicle, some percentage of that use is going to be personal. Right. So depending on how you calculate what your business mileage or business usage is, a certain percentage of that is probably going to be personal. And then you'll just have to figure that up on your taxes. So if you determine 70% is business, 30% is personal, then you can only deduct up to 70% of that business vehicle's value. Yep. So even if you are, let's say, took out a loan for this vehicle and you're making the payments out of your business account, still only a portion of that is actually going to be right offable, right? Yep. So- and the other portion is going to technically be an owner's draw. Yeah. So how our work is for, yeah, it's getting really deep underneath the hood, but uh, it, you'd be able to depreciate the depreciate out the vehicle. And then also you could write off the interest expense and any of the vehicle costs. Um, but you also got to figure out that Amanda was mentioned in that portion of personal, that's not going to be a write-off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's exactly right. So I think it's a great strategy, but a lot of times people don't tax plan in the future and understand that, hey, I'm only maybe in a 30% or a 25% tax bracket this year, and I'm my, my business is scaling and growing even faster, and I might be in a 35% or up to 40% next year. So what am I going to do next year? So I might need to leave some of that depreciation for the future so that I can be in a little bit of a lower tax bracket when my tax bracket is higher. Yeah. So we just need to keep track of where your business at, where it's going. It may make sense to take all the depreciation this year. You Mm -hmm. had a big year or it might make sense to depreciate it over time and use some of that deductions in the years in the future. So just always be aware of we got this year, but we definitely have years to come. There's only two things we know in life, death and taxes, right? So (laughs) we have to. Right. But this is that proactive strategy that, hmm, okay, this is where that business plan this planning is going to be, you know, coming into the picture that, Hey, we need to take a look at these things. Am I going to have a really big year next year, the following, do I want to save some of this for the future? Yep. So just determine that. And I think working with a professional would help walk through the, um, those different situations would be very helpful. Um, what a lot of people do forget though, is this is a business asset. Now we've depreciated all $80,000. And in the next time we want to trade vehicles or upgrade whatever we want to do, 
you're going to have to pay capital gains on that money on that vehicle's value that you trade in because you literally written it off to zero value. Now yeah. you're selling it for fifty thousand. So now you're going to have fifty thousand dollars of capital gains that year. So there's just some things that you have to think of in the future of just don't go out and trade that vehicle and say, oh, now I'm going to depreciate this one. You need to do, okay, what's that going to do when I have the capital gains now for trading that in versus the new depreciation schedule? Yep. There's a lot to owning assets within a business. It's yeah. a little more complex. It's not just black and white, like, oh, cool. I can write off this $80,000 vehicle yep. because I need I, tax advantages. Amazing. But just plan, like just walk, yeah. and walk you through this. Have it planned out so you don't have any big surprises and then you can use it to your best advantage. Yep. Absolutely. Very good. Well, I know this next one is really loaded. And so this might be a 2.0, <laughs> but we're going to move into retirement strategies because this is going to be a huge bucket of savings that we can utilize. Um, not only in our business, but also for ourselves personally. This episode of the Fit CFO Show is brought to you by Fit Wealth Advisors. Fit Wealth Advisors is bridging the gap between your business finance and your personal financial wealth. Know where your future is headed with Fit Wealth Advisors. I'll talk about retirement planning a little bit. Um, like you said, it's going to be maybe a whole other podcast, but this is something where there's a huge amount of tax savings available for business owners and to be able to plan for their future. Um, there's not a matter of like, if we're going to stop working, it's just a matter of when, and we don't know when that's going to be. So retirement planning, diversification is going to be key in the future. And you know, I I will, I will say real quick that we've had the, uh, well, I'm never going to stop working. I understand that some people may feel that motivated right now that they never want to stop working. and, And I respect the hell out of that. However, you may not always be able to work in the same capacity. You may change your mind at some point in the future, or you may not be able to. So it's very important to still be thinking and considering that down the road, things may change and you do need to look out for that time in your life. Mm -hmm. So let's get uh, most most common that we see in our industry now and a lot of our um, online uh, health and fitness coaches uh, leaning more towards a solo 401k or an individual 401k. Um, we also see the, the simple IRAs, the SEP IRAs, uh, the traditional IRAs, the Roth IRAs. But um, now as we are working on tax strategy, um, there are some advantages and benefits of the solo 401k and how much we can defer in taxes over the course of the year based on like our business structure. So I want to talk about the 401k in detail a little bit and why it's it's so beneficial. Um, when you have a 401k, you actually are able to contribute as an employee and as an employer. So as the employee is where you can really defer a lot of monies um, over the course of the year of upwards of $20,500 for 2022. And then the employer side can contribute up to 25% of your salary. So you combine the two, you can defer a lot of money over the course of the year. And you got to keep in mind when you're making hundreds and hundreds of thousands, your marginal tax rate might be 
you know, 35, 39, you know, up there and upwards of 40% and add state, it could even be higher. So you could literally be deferring 40 cents on the dollar, not paying the IRS that money now and deferring that into the future. And, and, that's, the reason- and that's absolutely amazing to consider because there are a lot of online entrepreneurs out there that maybe they don't have time to invest in real estate at this point. Maybe they just need a solution so that their money is working for them and they need some kind of strategy and, and they don't have time to get into you know the commodity side of things. And so these are really important things to think about when you are making a lot of money that you, you need to put somewhere. You need to put it to good use. Mm -hmm. And and what you're talking about is diversification. And honestly, the 401k space, even the retirement space in general gets a bad rap. Well, Mm -hmm. you only can do investments and stocks and bonds and blah, blah. Well, now there's a whole segment of their, the options kind of, and the investment side of thing is endless. Yeah. Of what you can do. Um, And what's even cool is now it's, it's tax deferred. So you can do a lot of changes within your investments that are not subject to taxation every year. So it can grow and make moves when you need to make moves and not have to worry about taxes. So it's super powerful, super cool. And you can see- You can see tell, you can tell that John nerds out on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where I was going with the solo and why it gained so much traction, the solo 401k is uh, a lot of times when we're doing tax planning and we're talking about entity selection and you become an S-corp, now you become an employee of your business. Some of the other retirement accounts are very limited now to maybe up to 25% of your salary. And if you have a very low salary, 25% of that doesn't equate to very much tax deferral or tax savings for your retirement. So the powerful thing is the employee portion of the contributions up to 20,500, then you can get that 25%. And now you're you're, you're lump summing a lot of money away for your future and saving a lot on taxes. Yeah, absolutely. So one last thing on the retirement section, um, some of this needs to be done before year end. So that's why working with FitCFO or working with a tax strategist throughout the year, some of this needs to be done before you go see your accountant just to file your taxes. So like the employee side of the contribution needs to be done by December 31st. So if you waited to March 1st to go see your accountant, you lost out on the employee portion of the contributions. Yeah. And the reason is, is the expense can't have happened the next year because it has to happen in that year. And and that is a very, very busy time for financial professionals. And so if you're waiting until, you know, December 30th to say, Hey, Sean, I need to implement that IRA that we Mm -hmm. talked about. He may not have time to do it. He may be elbow deep in other things or, you know, it probably not a matter of more of this processing at the custodians, the custodians. Right. Yep. Cause they're all super backed up and busy too. So, so it's just important to not save these things for last minute. Now your employer portion can wait. The employer portion can wait until your tax filing deadline deadline, but just keep in mind that the employee portion has to be done. So that's why I talk about strategy throughout the year has its benefits. Yep. And that's why, you know, when you're working with somebody like FitCFO, we talk about these things in like October so that we're not up against some kind of a crazy deadline here. We're, we're ahead of the game and there's nothing more reassuring and I guess peaceful feeling knowing that you're ahead of the game on these things and you don't have to worry throughout your holidays, whether or not you need to be filing some kind of paperwork last minute. Absolutely. Let's move on to the last one, um, accountable plans. So I think this is number seven. Accountable plans is a deduction 
for S corps. And it, it goes along the lines of like your home office use, um, any kind of auto expense or any other business expense that you paid for personally. There's not line items on the S corp or the 1120 S tax return for like those personal deductions. So you need to be implementing what they call an accountable plan. So you can get reimbursed for all your personal expenses throughout the year. And this is just that one more way of being able to shift money out of the business into your pocket personally without paying taxes on that money. You definitely want to keep track of all your expenses month by month. Um, have a spreadsheet. We do have templates available if, if anybody would ever need any of them, but make sure that you're also, and people forget to do this, just like we were talking about the Augusta rule, is people forget to transfer that money to yeah. them personally. So make sure that you are keeping track of all your personal expenses, you have it documented, and then that you're shifting money from the business to you personally, and then it'll be a line item on your P&L, and you'll get that as a deduction as well. Not only are you shifting that money for business to personal, you get the tax deduction. So look at accountable plans if you've went to the S-Corp route and looking to utilize home office use or any kind of auto expense or anything you paid for personally. So give me an example of uh, when somebody would utilize an accountable plan. Yeah, that is a very good question. Now, like I said, that'd be S Corp, but you're going to be looking at like all your home costs. So your rent or your mortgage payment, your interest, your um, utilities, your internet, your trash, your security system, your lawn care, anything to do with your home is going to be on there. Um, If your business doesn't own the business vehicle, your business mileage would be on there. Yeah. If you forgot your business credit card at home, you end up having a business lunch and you paid for it personally. So it'd be a personal expense. Like a reimbursement. Right. And that makes sense because like, for example, if you have home internet and you office at home, like a portion of that is legitimately office expense, right? But not the entire thing. I mean, your kids are watching Netflix, um, but a portion of it is being used for what you do for a living. Um, So yeah, very good examples. And you definitely want to keep track of that on a very nice spreadsheet, you know, and we're just, it's called an accountable plan. Um, and I highly recommend everybody utilizing that throughout the year, instead of just waiting and then trying to figure it out at the end. And Hell yeah. <laughs> pulling receipts out of crazy um, places. So out of these seven uh, tax saving strategies, are there any other examples that we need to talk about? Well, I would have to say one kind of, for example, and it just happened to be with the retirement planning and the actual like tax code itself. Sometimes there's more to tax deductions than just the actual um, benefit for putting money, like say in a retirement plan. So when you put your money in a retirement plan, if it's it's pre-taxed, it brings down your taxable um, income. And if your income is below certain thresholds, you get certain deductions. And if you're over that income limit, they phase out. In this situation, we were able to help save a client a ton of money by putting money into a retirement account because they were able to get their income back down and a certain deduction that was phased out was able to come back into play. And now you didn't save the client 35 cents on the dollar. It saved them over 50 cents on the dollar of funding that retirement account because it brought back in deductions that were eliminated because they were making too much money. Right. And a lot of times when, you know, and this goes back to 
proactive strategy instead of waiting until the last minute, because sometimes if you're working with a CPA down to the wire, they may just assume that you've already got an IRA open that you can dump some money into. For example, they may just assume that, um, you know, you have some of these things taken care of ahead of time, but you may not, it may not have even crossed your mind before because maybe you're a new business owner. And so when working with these different various professionals, it's important to give yourself plenty of time, maybe especially April and October, it's a good time to be sitting down with people in this professional financial industry to say, Hey, what are some things that I need to be looking ahead at so that I am, you know, being responsible for my business, doing some, um, you know, ahead of time planning for tax savings and my future. And let's just put it this way. If you're not sitting down with them, um, outside of tax filing season, let's face it, you have a tax filer as your account CPA. And that's important, very important. Like, love the hell of that. Like, you have to do it and it's a hard job. Someone needs to do it. But if you're looking to implement and save tax dollars over time, you need to be planning proactively throughout the year with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of look at it as, you know, there are macro calculators out there, they're highly important. So people know what they need to be doing, right? But then there's people that can help you strategize. How Mm. should that client actually be able to apply that into their day-to-day life? That is where you as a coach comes in. You're not a calculator, you're a coach. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of the example that I like to use when trying to be proactive and coming up with strategy for your business. And some CPAs can do that for you. However, a lot of times they're, they're so busy with audits and filings and they don't have a lot of time to implement strategy. Awesome. Love it. This was, I had a blast. It was awesome sharing the seven strategies that we've used a lot this year. And thanks everybody for listening. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you shared this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.